Greenlight is the debit card and app for kids and teens. Now with investing. Investing is key to building long-term wealth. And with Greenlight, your kids can learn to invest at any age. They research stocks to buy, invest as little as $1, and you approve every trade. Track progress over time and learn about the world of investing together. Ready to invest in your kids' futures? Visit greenlightcard.com today for your free month trial. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Hey guys, if you enjoy this episode, Please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Hey, John, it's Haley. Could you please cover the Jessica Lunsford case for me? I will never forget, even though I was only six years old at the time, when police pulled this little girl out of the Florida soil. It really scared the shit out of us when we were kids. Like, I couldn't sleep at night because of it. I can even recall the older kids taunting us younger ones, saying that Jessica's killer, John Cooey, was going to sneak into our windows at night and snatch us up. The way these kids would say it reminded me of some twisted nursery rhyme or that movie, uh, shoot, what was it? Oh yeah, The Nightmare on Elm Street. I still get chills up and down my arms, still remembering the sound of Cooey's voice as he recounted his ghastly crime. Anyway, I hear others say this, but nobody in this world is a bigger fan of this podcast than Mia. Loving tacos, Haley. So we uh, made a drink. Uh, we didn't have all the ingredients. Like we typically don't have all the ingredients to the drink. So we just decided to make something up ourselves. So as you can imagine, it does have blue curacao in it to make it blue. Um, it has vodka. And then so there was this drink and it was called like the dolphin's tail. And um, it was vodka, blue curacao and peach schnapps. Well, we don't have the peach schnapps because we drank it all last time. Um, so instead, um, it is vodka, blue curacao. It's just a little bit of blue curacao. And I did the rest of the Fruit Loop vodka with some almond syrup. I don't hate it. It tastes like Fruit Loops. But we finished the Fruit Loop vodka, so yay. Thank God. Now you can get one of your shaker bottles back. Yeah. <laughs> there probably, we go. You're probably wondering what happened to all of them. Oh, uh, who knows? They were in my cabinet we got an email from uh one of our listeners this was two weeks ago i think oh it's about the michelle carter case this is from jessica if you want to read this evening i haven't cut up obviously i just listened to this episode earlier today i feel like you john are totally off base and giving her a pass for no reason i'm on two different ssris and one of them the most dangerous when it comes to behavioral withdrawals. There is no excuse for what she did, 
Even in my blackouts, I've known rather I've hurt someone even via text as soon as I am out of the fog. Her playing stupid and goading her friends is proof that she was aware that she was doing what she was doing and what she did was wrong. She even ha-has him being in a bad place when she knows she's goaded into death. Plus, her behavior after is super suspect of trying to suck off her friend. (laughs) Trying to suck her friends. Uh, (laughs) Are we going to need a bloopers for this episode? Plus, her behavior after is super suspect of trying to suck suck her friends in. Her behavior is gross. (laughs) Jessica. She Sorry, was, you did that. That's a very she was tiny She literally font. trying to suck off her friends here. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for the email. Um, as you probably now know from listening to our other episodes that I go easy on the female killers. Mm-hmm. You do. And I've actually noticed that with all these episodes, not just me, but let's just say that if you are a woman scorned and you kill your husband or boyfriend or whatever, then you should probably hope to get an all-male or mostly male jury because we all seem to let you guys off easy. Hmm. It's the same reason that a guy will tip a waitress more than Nicole. Well, not Nicole. She never tips. But That is so not true. <laughs> Do not say that about me. I'm a big tipper. A cow tipper? Uh, yeah, so you know what I'm saying. A guy will tip a waitress more hmm. than you know a woman. I always would. tip like twenty percent. I always tip twenty yeah. percent, and even during COVID, when we're not being waited on, mm-hmm. I have in nor- like normally you don't tip during like takeout because yeah. no one's serving you. Yeah. I've been tipping. All right, Nicole. So the hint tonight is dolphins. So where are we going, and who are we killing tonight? Well, we just did the Folly Beach Killer, so, um, you know, that would have been a good, like, a beach mm-hmm. a beach setting is where I still think we're going. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to the Florida Keys, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think this is a couple story. I think you brought up the Michelle Carter thing for a reason, and I think a dude goes overboard on a boat and... The woman did it. And, you know, the dolphin comes to play because they think that he was eaten by a dolphin. Dolphins eaten by don't, a dolphin? Dolphins don't saying. eat people. I'm just saying. They rape people, but they... They do not rape people. Oh, they rape other dolphins. That That's so right. Yeah, okay, we went over this <laughs> we one. We this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Holy listen. Shit. All, right. All right. Well, I think that we're going to SeaWorld. Oh! Oh, you think I'm going to do that uh, Sea World documentary? You know what? If you go, if Black you go fish. to Sea World, then fuck you, man. I would go as watch a kid. that documentary. You fucking assholes! Shut it down. Hashtag shut it the fuck motherfuck down. It's an awfully long hashtag. Bitches. I don't think that would trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to Sea World, and someone's body is used as dolphin food. Ooh, interesting. Like the shark arm tattoo guy yeah tonight is a thursday and i'm trying to get back on track with the supremo request i'm actually going to make it up to you guys by doing no i'm not you always say that and then you talk. <laughs> <laughs> all right next week if you're not subscribed you need to subscribe i got some really good episodes coming up next week we're going to be covering a uh, story request from jeremy so you know it's going to be good Ooh. Ooh. Something about wine coops or something. 
And what? I have one that I want to cover. The uh, killer, his moniker is the Mutilator. Wow! <laughs> and no do one do, has oh, covered no, that one. Yeah, you're thinking of the. Nobody has covered that one. Also, I have a Japanese torture episode that I want to try to get out as soon as possible. Oh, excellent! I was just talking to Danielle on the phone. She was like, "Oh, I've oh got to come up with another one. one." Surprise shots! Surprise shots! We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Aperol. Aperol. Is that even liquor? Yes. Sadly. It's blood, blood orange. It's fucking gross. Not, it doesn't even taste like liquor. Tonight's story is for our good friend Taco Supremo supporter. Since I believe, um, I don't know, a few months now. I don't know. I'm doing her story relatively quick. Do you remember, it was like three months ago, Haley, so we're doing the story for her, mm-hmm. she calls the phone. So for the Supremos, we have a dedicated voicemail line so they can request stories. And she calls, and I pick it up, and I'm like, hello? (laughs) And then she's like, shit, and hangs up. (laughs) So anyway, this is her story. Hi, guys. This is Haley from Florida. Sorry about me hanging up on you early. I just did not expect anyone to answer the phone. So that really freaked me out. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to give some more information about my hometown murder story submission. And it's about Jessica Lunsford. She was nine years old when she was abducted, raped, and murdered by John Cooey, who oddly looks a lot like Dr. Evil. <laughs> so you're going to be hearing a lot from Haley tonight because she left us quite a few voicemails. Three, to be exact, which is fine. You can leave as many as you want. So just to give you a little background on the town, we're going to Home Masasa. Home Masasa. Cool name. Florida. So H-O-M-O-S-A-S-S-A. And then she puts the pronunciation. That was nice. You know we have a hard time with that. Home, like home. Ma, like get in the kitchen, ma, make me some pancakes. And then Sasa, like sassafras. Whatever that the fuck that is. Sassafras. Sassafras. All right, so this is where we're going to tonight. You see Homa Sassa, Florida. Also, a big shout out to Will Cheers. the Pill. He's down there in Florida on his vacation. That's true. And the bartender also said that Quackery is one of his favorite podcasts. Yeah. And he didn't know that there was a relation whatsoever really? to talk murder. Yeah. That's cool. He said that uh, some of his friends are pharmacists here. And got him hooked on it. And he was like, what the fuck am I listening to? So we're going to home Massasa, Florida. I don't know where that is compared to where he is. Where they're is he in, at? They're in Destin, Florida. which Destin. is Destin. North. Which is where um our Taco Supremo Rhiannon lives. Yes. Oh. and Ray are right in Destin. Oh, shit. You should tell them. They can meet I up. I did. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, they, they're like, oh, we should all do a vacation here. I was like, actually, we would love to because we've got some other friends that are there. I'm going to read a little bit more from Haley in a little bit. But she does say that this murder happened back in 2005 when I was only six years old. I've always wanted to hear someone share this story because not only is it very sad, but it was the town right next to mine. I just want to say sorry, Jen, in advance because this involves the death of a nine-year-old girl. Well, thank you for your apology. All right, so we're going to be hearing from Haley in a little bit, but... Nicole, can you please describe this uh, young 
girl right here for us? Uh, well, um, she's young. Uh, she's wearing like a pink fuzzy Kangol. Kangol hat. Oh my gosh, those were the thing like back those in the day. Hats. Yeah, man. Sometimes I really wonder about fashion yeah. and how things got popular. I had one of those. It was navy blue. I got it in New York from a street vendor. It was not Kangol. It was probably like Fangol or something stupid like that. <laughs> Uh, well, she's. You can tell how young she is because she's. She has like her front teeth, but she's like missing some teeth, so she's still. And their teeth you know, look too big. Still a baby. She's like she has adult teeth, yeah. but she's not an adult. Yeah, she's. She looks smiling. How and old happy. is she? Oh, I already said that. Yeah, she's nine. So this is Jessica Lunsford, nine years old. And before I go any further, Haley, this is a depressing story. What in the fuck? Am I gonna need another drink? I probably will. Yeah, this story is really bad. This is probably the first story in a long time for me where I just had to step away multiple times. I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. This one is rough. Well, I'm fucked then. <laughs> All right, well, let's try to keep the mood up as best as possible while not, we go through know, this. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to finish this drink. There but is I need to nothing get some good about drink. this story. And no one's done this story, which is so weird to me why no one has hmm. covered the story. And it's probably because the news, they shy away from these stories, man. Like the one, and I've noticed that too. The news are all about the Bundys and killing prostitutes and all kinds of shit. But when you get, when you get real. And kill a child. And you kill a child. The news media, it's like they don't want to touch it. And I see that. Even podcasters, they don't do this story. No one does this story. But yet this story, this story is super important to our society. And its outcome actually changed a lot of the ways we do things, as you'll see. This is Jessica Lunsford. She was last seen alive February 23rd, 2005. Go to talkmore.com to see the photos of this case. So the family's actually from North Carolina, but they moved down to mm. Homosassa, Florida. And this is from Haley or Talkus Primo. Quote, Homosassa is known for its beautiful springs and manatees. It also has a lot of fancy homes on the water. Mm. However, it is kind of an inside joke in Citrus County. That's where we're going to tonight. That if you look like white trash, you're probably from old Homasasa. Ah, okay. There are a lot of trailer parks out there and heavy drug use. Mm. Anyways, I just wanted to give you a rundown of what kind of area she was staying in. So Jessica Lunsford, nine years old, last seen February 23rd, 2005. Her grandparents, which were staying at the trailer, I believe they actually own the trailer. Mm -hmm. She was staying there with her father, Mark Lunsford. And as I said earlier, they moved down from North Carolina to Homas, home. You know what? I'm just going to call it H-Town from now on. I cannot pronounce this <laughs> Homa sausage. I love it when you give something your own nickname just because yes. you can't pronounce it. H-Town. What yeah. up? So Be sad. Mark. Do, 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 do. I was listening to an interview with Mark Lunsford, the father. He said one morning his daughter, you know, looked at him and said, hey, you know, I really miss grandma, grandpa down in Florida. So Mark, the father, said, do you want to move down to Florida? And just like that, they did. They wow. moved down to Florida the next day and they started living in the grandparents' trailer. 
The grandparents picked her up from her middle school. They stopped at Sonic, one of... Oh, I love Sonic. Oh, I do too. Let's get pretzels oh. tonight. God damn it, why'd I say that? Now we're gonna yeah, go to Sonic. Yeah, now we Fuck do gotta go get shit. some pretzels. Oh. Fuck me, damn also, it. Also, the cake batter shake <laughs> is so good. Shit, oh, I knew rather, I should have said I'd rather that. just eat like five pretzels. I didn't mean Sonic, I meant tonic. Fuck, I didn't did, say that. Did you mean that like... Was, that was a Freudian <laughs> slip right there if I ever saw one. Her grandparents pick her up from her middle school. They stop at Sonic. Jessica's favorite thing at Sonic is curly fries. Mm. I don't think they have curly fries here. They do. They do? They do? I've never seen curly fries. I don't think so. I think they just have fries or tots. Yeah, fries or tots. Checkers has curly fries. That's why it was mm. kind of stopped me when I was reading this. I was like, curly fries at Sonic? Maybe they had it at one point. <laughs> this is the thing that made you pause in yes. the story. How reliable is this source? Because they definitely don't have curly fries at Sonic. <laughs> they get curly fries. Now, they're not going straight home. She's actually going to Bible class. Okay. And she goes there. It's kind of like a, um, you know, for kids. I saw two conflicting reports. Either she gets home around 7.38, something like that, watches TV till 9 o'clock, and then goes to bed. Or She's not late for a nine-year-old, yeah, I feel like. Or another source I saw said that she actually gets home around 9 o'clock, watches TV in her room, has a snack, and then goes to bed after that. What we do know is that Sharon Armstrong, that's a family friend, brought her home from the Bible school, dropped her off. The grandparents actually tucked her into bed. Now, the father was at work at night. He comes back to the trailer, and his daughter's usually already asleep. But he gets there, he sits on the couch, he watches TV, and then I saw in one interview he said that his uh, daughter runs in there and jumps on the couch, you know, hey, daddy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have a question. I'm sorry to interrupt, but where's, where's the mom? Uh, that's a good question. So the mom actually looks identical and i'll show you a picture of her to her daughter jessica but they actually split up so they were i don't know if they were married but i think they were just boyfriend and girlfriend mark the dad and then the mom and then they had three kids together and mark the dad takes jessica and she takes the other two so they were split up weird yeah uh-huh. You it? normally don't split up the kids. Yeah, I usually have custody of all three. Oh, but what I, 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 no, 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 no. What I, mean, I, I, I guess know. it was kind of a consensual thing. I mean, I didn't see any animosity between the couple that I could see. and uh, Maybe it was a kid's choice of who they wanted to go with. Still, that's very strange to split up the children. But I do know that the dad gets back and he spends a little time with his daughter on the couch watching TV, she goes to bed and then he heads off to his girlfriend's house. He's not going to get home again until 5.30 in the morning, the next morning. Do you know if she's like the oldest child, youngest, middle? She is the youngest child. She's nine years old. The other ones, I believe, I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder actually. if like maybe the other kids were from a previous marriage or something. You mm. know what I mean? Like, what that's I the only saw is they were all from the, the one uh, woman, but... Hmm. I don't know. I, I Honestly, I didn't really go into that. I should have, though. It's a good question. It's just very unusual. To split yeah, so I don't have kids. Or not that I know of anyway, so I wouldn't know how that works. <laughs> if I did have kids, you ain't finding me. I changed my phone number, motherfucker. 
You. How are you? Can you can mail us <laughs> oh, shit. at PO Box two five seven? I'll check my the PO Box. Maybe like, like paternity oh. results. <laughs> DNA test. Poor Nicole. It's like fuck again. Who is this? I don't remember this. <laughs> so the so she, her dad, and the grandparents are all living in the trailer. yeah. They all live at South Sonata Avenue. In H-Town. Yeah. So he leaves to go to his girlfriend's house. And that's the last time he's ever seen his daughter alive. Mm. This is him and his daughter. This is Mark Lunsford. Now, he looks like Dak Shepard with the long hair. <clears throat> now, before you yeah. guys say it or whatever, think it, he wasn't involved. In fact, his whole job now is to go to state to state to create uh, Jessica's Law. Jesse's Law, hmm. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. All right, cool. It's a very uh, heartbreaking story. And the cops kind of gave him the runaround, which you'll see in a minute. Um, and why do you think that is, just looking at him? He looks... Yeah, he looks, you know, long hair, motorcycle hat. Yeah, kinda. he looks like maybe he's... Yeah. He looks I like... Know. I mean, let's. he looks kind of like trailer trash. I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but you could tell... That yeah. the media and you and I'm definitely going to show you a newspaper article where you can definitely tell the media is playing up the trailer aspect. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, it's sad because fuck that. Who gives a shit? You have a nine year old girl that's dead. You know, who but the fuck cares? I do have to say that the trailers difference between like trailer parks and mobile homes in Florida, because my grandmother lived in a mobile home community, but they were very nice inside. It wasn't like super trashy. I mean, it was a, it was like a retirement community, but but I didn't know that it was a trailer park until, I don't know, it was like 18. There's uh, nothing wrong with trailer parks. No, I don't personally have parks. any family living, but... But I'm just saying, like, there's, like, in Florida, I mean, I know you say that, like, maybe it's maybe it's a different kind of community there, but, I don't know, that it's a little bit more common down there, especially in the retirement communities. They have the manufacturing yeah. homes that people live in. He gets back home. February 24th, 5.45 a.m. He walks in the back of the trailer and Jessica's alarm is ringing in the room. He can hear it. It's time for her to go to school. You know what I'm saying? It's time for her to get up, go to school. He goes and takes a shower and gets ready for another day at work. He doesn't even really think about the alarm. I mean, nine-year-old girl, like she's going to wake up the first time an alarm goes off. He walks into her room, though, and she's not there. The alarm's still blasting. And nothing's really messed up or nothing's moved around. Nothing's missing. But there is a, a dolphin that's missing. And this is a, this is a dolphin right here. This is going to become really important. Oh. This is a purple dolphin that it was her favorite stuffed animal, at least for the last four days. Her dad actually won that at the county fair Aww. for her. So that's what... That was her favorite, and it was gone. And that's the first thing he noticed. I mean, it's a purple-ass dolphin. So when the father comes home, he comes in the back door. He didn't notice this at the time, but the screen on the back door was cut like an L. So obviously, wow. you look at the back door screen, someone that cuts an L in it, basically the bottom left-hand side, you cut it out to put your hand through there and unlock it, obviously. Right. All right, what you're seeing now is Jessica's room. Okay. Obviously, that's where her purple dolphin was. It's no longer there. Now, the trailer 
across the street from Jessica Lunsford and her grandparents and father was occupied by these four individuals. Oh, God. Talk about trailer trash. Yeah, no shit. Is that mother and daughter? Do you see the guy in the orange? The one Mm -hmm. in the orange jumpsuit. The one in the orange jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. That is John Cooey. That is the one that abducted Jessica from her home after Jessica's father left, you know, for the night. And after she was tucked in bed and everything. Like her grandparents had tucked her in and everything. Dorothy Dixon Cooey is his half-sister, and that is her on the left. She's mm-hmm. wearing the yellow shirt. Go to talkmore.com to see these this fucking freak show. These are all just pieces of shit and scum of the earth, and you're about to see why. Maddie Catherine Secord, 27, even though she looks like she's... She's 27? 50. She's on the right right there. She is the one that has black eyes. Wow, that makes me feel real good. (laughs) (laughs) Almost 30 and rocking it. Yeah. I mean, I'm no J-Lo who is 50 and fabulous, but whatever. Oh my gosh, love her. And this uh, piece of shit up there is Matthew Oli Dittrich. Dietrich, D I D T R I C H. She's 31. And they're all living in there and they're fucking crackheads. Literally, they're smoking crack. Not only that, but. They're all having sex with each other? No, not only only that, but Maddie, the 27 years old, at the time was pregnant. Again, she already had kids. That is her mother right there, Dorothy Dixon. So it's Dorothy Dixon and. Her brother, her half-brother, uh-huh. the one that killed Jessica, Dorothy Dixon, 47, the mother, her boyfriend, Matthew O'Lee Dittrich, 31 years old, and her daughter and son-in-law, Maddie Catherine Secord and Jean Allen Secord, 35 years old. They were living at the residence at the time. So there were four people living there, and then... The half-brother, which is John Cooey, moves in. So ultimately, there's five people there, and they're all smoking crack. At, I mean, every day, is, they, they smoke crack. Every, they're fucking trailer trash. These names actually sound familiar to me. I wonder if I've heard it. Like, Ye- Cooey sounds familiar, no, and Lunsford sounds familiar. I have heard this story. I- but I will say, the mom... Uh, over there, she looks... Doesn't she look like it without... Like, with half her makeup, half the con makeup? Like she's definitely scary, scary enough to play it, but you can scary. tell that you can paint tell, her face white and she looks like the you clown. can tell that that is her daughter though they almost look identical yeah. if you add twenty years on to the daughter. Go ahead and read this. This will tell you a little bit about the uh, fantastic people living in that trailer. The day and evening before, Dixon, Detrick, and Cooey had been in and out of the trailer, going to a junkyard where the men worked on a truck throughout the day, returning home for the final time between midnight and 1 a.m. on February 24th. Dixon, Detrick, and the defendant smoked a rock of crack cocaine that night, and the defendant drank some beers. After returning home, Dixon and Dittrich retired to their bedroom, where the television was routinely left on all night long. They were not aware of anyone leaving or entering the trailer that night. Now, that is really important because this is a trailer with very thin walls. And 
I'm just going to say this, but Jessica wasn't killed immediately. Mm. She actually didn't die for about three days. No, no, no. So she is in the trailer for three days. And even though these are fucking crackheads, scum, that are just smoking crack all day. Luckily, the 27-year-old got her kids ripped away from her. Well, that's good. That was probably one of the only good things that came out of this. But they're they're, smoking fucking crack, and they don't know a nine-year-old girl is in the stepbrothers, or is in the half-brothers fucking closet getting raped. Ugh. I mean, they're lucky that her family didn't hear her Five people in this fucking shitty-ass trailer. The day that Mark comes home and discovers her daughter is missing is the day when... The media went crazy, surrounded the trailer, their trailer. They set up a command post. They had search dogs. They had helicopters. They had everything. Thousands of people searching. They had horseback. They had everything. And these guys are across the street with the fucking victim in the closet. You want to talk about a botched investigation? This is one. I mean, it's like, how could they not even hear that? Hear her? Not only hear that, you but know? go up to, they did, the police did go up to the door, but hey, hello, um, I don't know if you noticed, but there's this huge command post. We're doing a search party out here. Um, have you seen this little girl? No, you're saying no, even though you look like a fucking crackhead that's tweaked out of your mind. I'm just going to, I'm just going to believe you for some reason. When she went missing, they actually went and knocked on the sister's door, and he was there, but they didn't realize that he was a sex offender. So they could have, while she was in the closet where she was being hidden at the time, uh, police did knock on the door, and unfortunately, they didn't have the right to search at that time, but they were letting people know that the girl in their neighborhood was missing. And that's something that haunts detectives to this day because they knew that she was in that house and they could have saved her life. But there was no actual, like, at that point in time in the state of Florida, they weren't tracking sex offenders like they do now. And I don't mean to talk bad about police, but, man, you guys fucked up, fucked up, fucked up. You need to just accept the responsibility. Sometimes I talk good about police when y'all do a good thing. Sometimes you fuck up, and that's okay, but you need to accept responsibility and say that you fucked up, because this is you fucked up. This is the command center they had. And the whole time she was right there behind the command center, and he even took... Look at this, all these bagels and shit. Wow. She is less than 100 Mm. yards away. From this command center. Look at all these cops. You know what's interesting? What the fuck are they doing? I'm surprised that they didn't have like a dog or something to sniff her scent. It could have led them right to her. They did. And dug that hole while the command center was there. What were these guys doing? These command centers just supposed to be placed no closer than a fourth of a mile from the family residence. And oftentimes they're placed at least a mile away. And this one was placed right in the Lunsford's front lawn. Do you see? That is where she is. This is the Lunsford's home. Good she grief. is across the street, not even 100 yards. Did you see that command center? Do you see all the work that was going on there? Bagels They galore. weren't doing shit. Not nothing. They weren't doing shit. You know why? Because the Trailer dad, cash. 
is wearing a fucking Harley Davidson hat and he has long hair and he lives in a trailer. There you go. That's the fucking reason. You're looking at right now, go to talkmore.com. The trailer where she is in getting raped is right there. Not even a hundred yards away is the home where she vanished. The fuck? Put two and two together, man. I'm just wondering what uh, is the reason that they say it shouldn't be closer than a quarter mile? That's a good that's a really good question, Jen. The reason for that is because of the dogs, like you mentioned earlier. If you bring a bunch of command center and bagels and fucking sitting on your ass with donuts and shit, then you're going to spread that scent around everywhere and confuse the dogs. So you got to push it back a little bit. Everyone, so you're not trampling over the scent and evidence and stuff like that. You push it back a little bit so the dogs can work. Also, I would imagine it so that the family, this is just my guess, so the family is separated from the investigation. Otherwise, like, yeah. the family can be like, oh, how's it going? Like, well, it's every mainly minutes. for the dogs. And the dogs, they couldn't track the scent because there was so much shit going on. They were smelling those everything. everything bagels, Fucking man. everything bagels no everywhere. has mm. great bagels. Fucking mm. Bruegel's Trust bagels everywhere. Mm. There were Bruegel's bagels everywhere. They couldn't function. The dogs didn't know what to do. That's why it fucked up. That's, that's mistake number one yeah. right there. And as you'll see, and I'm not trying to be harsh, man, but the reason they fucking did it like this is because they automatically think it's the dad. They think it's the grandpa, which you're about to see. It's fucking... Hmm. The reason it pisses me off, and the only reason, is because she is still alive. When you see these cops out there with the bagels, she's still alive. <sighs> Up to four days. They're out there in less than 100 yards away from a living victim like what the Ugh. fuck are you fucking high like what the flying fuck she was still alive when you were out here smearing a bagel fucking smearing your goddamn bagel it's like that's why it pisses Smear. me off man like this story pisses me off man. alright this is a little bit of the police interrogation you'll see the dad he's in there he's obviously distraught but you can definitely tell the polygraph examiner, even before he starts the test, has a bias that it's him. And not only that, listen to what the grandpa says. I love you too. Right? I'm sorry, man. I okay. just had to tell her. Can you turn that off? Because I can't have you upset when you take tests. You need a Kleenex? Someone's got to tell me why your, why your father is like this. He, he won't talk to us. He won't explain those things, and he's not excited. But he's over to the other room sleeping. I'm not saying he did anything. I'm just saying it looks bad. But right now, everything that we got so far is what? pointing at you. Pointing at you, Grandpa. Except love and grandchildren. If you had to get an education to do this, but your money was wasted. Hmm. Best line ever. Mm. Say the grandpa it again. says, if you had to use your money for this education, that money was wasted. And that's, that's what fucking he said. true. Yeah. Dude, these cops, and I'm, dude, I'm just saying they fucked up, but they really fucked up because they immediately thought, and even the polygraph examiner thought this, that it was them. It was the grandpa, it was the son. And this girl was still alive. If they would have just literally went to the fucking neighbor's house and just listen closely, walk around the perimeter, they would have fucking found her yeah. and she would have been alive. That's why I'm pissed off. Mm -hmm. If she was already dead, that's one thing. But dude, you 
you, I mean, this house, go to talkmare.com and see, this house is directly across the street, not even 100 yards. You could literally throw a rock and hit the fucking roof. I mean, if that's a lot. So if it was going to be from someone within the home, um, I'm sh- like the fact that they cut an L in the screen to open the door. Like, that's probably something that if you're just going to do something within your own family, you wouldn't think to do. Right. Oh, yeah. You know because, what I mean? Like, that's a lot. Like, yeah. There was a bias from the beginning, man. And you can tell with this story. It's because all the dad looks like, you know, he's a biker and he has long hair. I wonder how close this place is to um, that pedophile park. Pedophile park? That sounds like a really bad version of Disney. Yeah. It's where, like, there it's like a pedophile community in Florida. Two weeks before her abduction, they went to that house, and the sheriff deputies did, and uh, they were told that he had a warrant for his arrest, and they were told to arrest him, but they didn't. The first day of the disappearance, they went to the house, but they didn't ask to search. Second day, they went to the house. Whoever came to the door was openly nervous and shaken, but they didn't ask to search. What? That's what that was in the police report. She goes missing February 23rd. Her body was finally found March 19th. What? A month almost? A month of it being less than 100 yards. It was actually... That's embarrassing. It's actually... Her body was actually buried... Right by the doorstep, by the you know the steps coming down out of the, the door of the trailer, of the uh, the trailer across the street, the meth heads, the fucking crackheads, the body was right what? there by the door, buried in a shallow grave, right there. How did they find it? Right then? fucking there. Like you after could a literally month, see what it. Makes them find it. You could fucking see it. This guy was digging the hole with the command <sighs> center. <laughs> <laughs> right, the, wow. right in the road. He's like, "Hey guys, I'm just digging this hole." No worries. I know it's, I look like a cash. crackhead. It's because I just smoked a lot of crack. <laughs> look at this. I got a little teddy bear and a purple dolphin. You don't have to ask me because it's probably the dad that did it. Do you have any crack? I need some crack. What the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. Wake the fuck up. Yeah. If you want to read this, this is from the the court documents. Sheriff's officers excavated the site, uncovering the victim's body buried inside two plastic garbage bags, along with the stuffed dolphin toy. The victim's wrists were bound loosely with speaker wire, and two fingers of her right hand were protruding from the garbage bags. No fingerprints could be developed from the garbage bags. The outer garbage bag was knotted at the bottom near the victim's buttocks, while the inner bag was knotted above the victim's head. The official cause of death was suffocation, lack of air, being stuffed inside two garbage bags. Did he bury her alive? Yeah, buried her alive. How did they not hear her? Hold on a second. I mean, really? We don't know if she was buried alive. I I shouldn't rush to that, but she may have been. Let me get to that in a second. The official cause of death is suffocation inside garbage bags. She was alive when she was put inside the garbage bags. We know that. Because her fingers, her index finger and her middle fingers were sticking out almost like, I got to get some air type of shit. 
you know, ah. like trying to get some air. If you take a garbage bag, okay, one of them is upright. So the guy put her in the garbage bag and then the opening is, you know, at her shoulders or whatever. He takes the other garbage bag and puts it over her head. So, you know what I'm saying? Like the garbage bags kind of. So he enc- encapsulated her. So so the garbage bags kind of enclose on each other. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And then he ties them up. And her fingers were sticking out of the small hole of the garbage bag, which means she was trying to get air. So she was suffocated in the bag. No food was found in her stomach. So she hadn't eaten in upwards of four days. So it, so she was probably alive for three or four days. When wow. this command center, they're out there eating bagels. We got to, we got to find this girl. We got to do this right. And the sheriff says, quote, we did this by the textbook. Well, you need a well, fucking new, yeah, they need a new textbook. <laughs> new textbook. <laughs> Was your textbook written in the 1800s? <laughs> Holy shit. They find her at the end of March. She was dead for approximately three weeks when they find her body. So what you're seeing now is some of the evidence photos. Go to talkmore.com. These the are bags? the black plastic trash bags. These aren't the ones uh, used, but these are, you know, they found the box of hefty bags that were right. there. So they knew that these were the ones. They're black uh, industrial type bags. Like contractor bags. Contractor bags, yeah. Now, her right index finger and middle fingers were poking out of the bags. The bags were knotted at her feet and her head. This right here, do you see something purple the in there? That's the dolphin. And I'm just going to get to this now. This is what really made me stop this story. According to John Cooey... The only guy involved, apparently, the other crackheads didn't know anything about it, if you want to believe that. He goes into the house after her dad's gone, says, come here, sweetie. I'm going to take you to see your dad. And then she's like, okay, okay, can I bring my purple dolphin? Yeah, bring your purple dolphin. And he hands it to her. And they walk across the street. She's got her purple dolphin in her hands, and then he rapes her for three days, <laughs> and then he stuffs her alive in the trash bags with a fucking dolphin. With the dolphin? Yeah, with the dolphin. Fucking crazy. Uh, she was actually clutching the uh, dolphin. When they no. removed her from the bag, she was actually holding on to the dolphin, so it's like... That's heartbreaking. Oh, that so is really So one finger is out the that. bag, and the other one's like holding on to the dolphin. Oh, like for the like last, safe, like for safety, for, like for safety. Like my dad won this at the county yeah. fair four days ago. You know, I know I'm dying, but this is you know what I want to hold on to while I, I die, kind of shit. Oh, that's so sad. That is really, really fucking sad. All right. Oh, I can't wait to eat my feelings later at Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have at least three pretzels. Remember what did we ordered last time? Like seven pretzels? Yeah, seven or eight pretzels. This story, man. Like, I literally... This is probably one of the saddest stories I've done. I am not going to lie. I could not even... I mean, seeing the dad, you know... He was, like, legitimately breaking down. Yeah, he is. He's a trooper, man. Like, I mean... It's crazy. Anyway, this is a speaker wire used to bind her wrist. Ugh. This wire was actually going up to the trailer roof. He had uh, put some sort of antenna up there. 
So this is the antenna wire, but he used that to bind her hands with. Now this is pretty disturbing right here. This is his mattress. And Ugh. the red stains you're seeing, not the holes, but the red stains. You see there's like two big ones there. Mm -hmm. That's was... blood. That's her blood. Do you remember she's, you know, uh. obviously was a virgin, right? And I believe, now they didn't point this out exactly, but I believe the big purple stain that they they um, traced uh -huh. with the, you see that? Luminol? I think that's not, I don't think it's luminol, but I think it's some sort of chemical. That actually tested positive for her DNA and his semen. God. So that's what that is. I often find out the hard way that all IPAs are not created equal. Some are hot bombs that forget about flavor. Others only taste good if you drink them with a heavy meal. Fortunately, Founders Brewing Company has found a way to enjoy an IPA anytime and at any occasion with their all-day IPA. You can taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. Whether you're relaxing after a long day at work or hanging outside with your friends, all-day IPA will become one of your favorites. It's one reason why Founders is in the top 10 of the nation's craft breweries and a staple in my fridge. When you taste all-day IPA, you'll understand how they got there. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer and now hard seltzers too at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. Now serving F27 at DMV window number 16. Okay, Rose, we're second in line. Perfect, Rose. You remembered the birth certificate? Yes, and we have our electric bill. Excellent. We'll be Real ID ready in no time. Real ID ready to visit our grandson, Ricky, at Fort Bragg. Then fly to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Pardon me, are you talking to yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I am. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. This throw pillows also have DNA of both him and Jessica. If you want to read this... Um, I guess. <laughs> I mean, do we have a choice? God. I guess. Well, make Jen read it. <laughs> I'll read it. Okay. The victim's DNA was found to be present on two of the throw pillows, along with DNA of the defendant in one stain that could not be determined whose DNA it was. Several other areas of stains were not tested. The known DNA of Gene Secord and Matt Dittrich was never submitted for testing against these stains. What the fuck? Yeah, that's exactly why I screenshotted that and put it in there. So reading that last line, the known DNA of Gene Secord and Matt Dittrich were never submitted for testing. Even till this day, they were never tested. Now, those are the other crackheads that were living there. Remember I said there were about five crackheads living in this crack house. And in my notes, I put, quote, test them now, you dumb fucks. That's what I wrote in my notes because I was so pissed yeah, off. Yeah, seriously. It's like, what the fuck? There's are no you statute me? of limitation on murder. It's a thin-walled trailer and you're telling me that they didn't know a nine-year-old girl was in the fucking closet? They didn't there even have to know that... five fucking people there. There's not even five bedrooms You didn't even trailer. need to know that she was nine just to know that someone was being held against their will and being sexually assaulted. You know, like, you could probably hear the screams and the struggle that was going on. Right. Even, 
even if they were cracked out on their minds, you can still hear that. Just because you're high doesn't mean that you can't hear things. You may think that you're imagining things, I would imagine. I don't know. I've never done crack. But still, it's that's not an excuse. Sorry, I was doing crack, so not my fault that she was murdered. Whoops. That's not going to hold up in court. During that conversation while talking religion, Detective Atkinson and Holder testified the defendant blamed the crime on drugs and informed them that this crime would not have happened if his sister loved him and had paid him more attention, and that he felt the media was blowing the case out of proportion. That's okay. So my Oh, I'm sorry. Your rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl is blown out of proportion? Because of incest or lack thereof? Fuck you. Gosh. One of the crackheads living at the house, Gene Secord, was actually... Locked up with John Cooey, the killer, for about six months because he was in there for failure to pay child support. Not another really good guy. Anything related to him being a crackhead and having a nine-year-old child in his trailer. Anyway, he asked him how he could do this if he believed in God. And John Cooey said that, quote, it was in the past and since one cannot dwell in the past... He has to forget about it. Oh, totally. Yeah. He also said that Jessica, for most of the three days when she was alive, was locked in the closet. And he also claimed that his sister's boyfriend, Matt Dittrich, which was one of the crackheads at the house, right, had also been in the bedroom at the time. And as I'm about to show you, one report actually participated. The corrections officer further recounted that Cooey had the victim in his trailer for three days, engaging in sex with her on the first day, and claiming that they would just lie in bed, hanging out, conversing, or playing with him sexually, something she knew a lot more about than a nine-year-old should have. Oh, that poor thing. Cooey is saying that, oh, that she was experienced. Yeah, so here's what I put in my notes. I asked the question, did she go willingly? Because, Because John Cooey... The defendant tells Officer Reed and Winham, their two correctional officers that were watching over him while he was in prison for the year, that he actually goes to the trailer. He wakes up Jessica and tells her to come with him, and she goes willingly. She grabs her dolphin and everything else, and that... He says that she was an active participant, which, come on. I mean, are you fucking serious? Okay. She's locked in the fucking closet. She's not eating for four days. Also, it's still, one, it's pedophilia. It's sex with a minor. Um, It's still rape if they're underage. And also, if a van that has Talk Murder Me logo on it, perhaps, drives up to a child and says, would you like some candy? Just because a child goes into the van to get some fucking candy doesn't mean that they're going willingly into a rape. He said, I'm going to take you to see your dad. That's called luring. Yeah. That is not going willingly and saying, I'm about to go have sex with you. Yay. She's a fucking child and you raped her, you sick piece of shit. A nine-year-old. You're thinking end of third grade, fourth grade. Do you think... If you think that age would would reasonably, especially today with all, everything that's going on, even you put it back to when we were nine years old, do you think that reasonably, if someone said, I'm going to go take you to your dad, if you're in your house, would go willingly? No, I don't think so. I think if I was nine years old and they said, I'm going to take you to my dad, I'd be like, my dad's at work. Like, I'm going to wait till he comes home. You know, I, I mean, obviously I can't speak to that situation because I wasn't there, but I feel like they're a lot smarter than, you know, if you were like six maybe, 
I could see that happening, a five or six, but not when you're nine years old. Yeah, you kind of have a sense. Of, so you have it, a sense about you whether, to know what's going but even on. But still, it doesn't matter whether he lured no, her. Let me let me just let me throw one more wrench in there because or he forced her. You guys think that maybe he just you know I don't know forced her. Listen, did you see that weenie dog that was there? The dog was there, didn't bark. And number two, the grandma and grandpa were in the trailer. They didn't hear anything. So it's not like he's snatching her out of bed and running out the door. So he possibly did say something like that to get her to go. I mean, it's probably like she... She possibly knew who he was. Yeah. No, 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 no. They, no, they, they didn't know never, who they was. They had never interacted. Well, they, he, she probably seen him before as a neighbor. And the dog the f- probably saw him, so knew that the that he yeah. lived nearby. Yeah. So they lived in a mobile home, like neighborhood, and he would, um, Cooey would take walks. And I guess one day he saw Jessica like playing outside or something, and at night. He would walk the neighborhood, and he would go, like, really late at night. He would go up to um, Jessica's. He would, like, figure out how he was going to get into Jessica's house. He wanted to know exactly where her bedroom was. But he says, like, when he was arrested and everything and was, you know, given his case, he says that when he initially, like, snuck into the house, he was originally just going to burglarize a home, but and he said he kind of as he was walking down the dark hallway that he last minute was like, oh, I guess I'll get Jessica. But that complete what Madison is saying completely contradicts that. This is all premeditated. Like he was watching this girl, right? And you and the detectives say that they know this because he was able to walk straight into the house, like from footprints and stuff like that. He went directly into her room. Didn't touch anything, feel anything except her. I just, I just don't see a nine-year-old like willingly going and say, "Oh, your dad told me to come get you." If your grandparents are in the house, I don't know. She could have been disoriented yeah. if she was asleep. Yeah, she like, could have been. Oh, okay, you know. I don't know. I mean, Lord I mean, forced. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking, change yeah. the. St- the crime, yeah. you know, the crime. Doesn't matter. Yeah, go ahead and read this. Cooey told them that the victim had bled and that after sex, she had to urinate. Cooey claimed that Jessica was in the house and knew when the police came to the trailer, but that she hid in the closet and was quiet. Cooey claimed to Wyndham that his sister and Detrick knew that Jessica was there and that Detrick had spent ev- had even spent some time with her in the defendant's bedroom. Oof. I believe the last sentence that that other crackhead was in on it, but you're telling me that this nine-year-old girl saw the police and ran into the closet? She had no food in her system. She hadn't eaten for four days. Do you think she wanted to be there? John Cooey said on the third day after police came to the trailer, he panicked. And he tells nine-year-old Jessica to step inside the garbage bag and he would carry her over to her house so he wouldn't be seen. He claims that he was not man enough, which is definitely true, to strangle her with his bare hands. So he used the ruse of hop in this trash bag and I'll carry you back over there. He put the other bag on top of her and strangled her. Or not strangled her, but uh, she suffocated. suffocated. Yeah. You guys 
are not acting like you like this. So let me talk about John Cooey, because this is uh, really going to piss you off. I feel like I'm waiting for a, not only was he a crackhead, but also... But well, also... We, he was a pedophile, a rapist, and a murderer. But also, he was a sex offender, and he did this in 1991. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. And I guess no one seemed to care. Or saw it coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't he not allowed to be within a, a certain radius of a child if he's a convicted <laughs> sex offender? Well, I mean, if you're living in the neighborhood, I don't know how... It's a school. I think the law is you can't be yeah, within a school or playground. School. If you're living in a neighborhood, I think that you, I, I think you, well, you, number one, you're on the registry, right? So like parents can look that up. I should probably well, look that sound, up. That sounds good, but currently about thirty five percent of American sex offenders are not currently tracked. Oh, great! The ones that have been tried and and got sentenced for sex offender acts, they're out and they're not even tracked. Thirty five percent. So there you go. Who's your neighbor? <laughs> you know, I didn't because even, there's I this didn't database that, that tells you the rest of the seventy percent of them. <laughs> I did not even look that up before I bought my house. I should probably. Holy oh, shit! Do you I, know what's going? I mean, you know, fucking punch someone in the throat, they try anything with you. Well, it doesn't matter. You're you're not, not, you're not they, a kid. they would take one look at me. I'm like, mm, no, I'm okay. Thanks, though. John Cooey, the killer was born to a 16-year-old immature and uncaring mother. All right, Nicole, if you want to describe this guy, this is John Evander Cooey. He's old. He looks like Mick Jagger if Mick Jagger actually lost his hair. John Cooey. He has a birth defect, which includes his misshapen ears. He was abandoned by his mother, who also had a history of heavy drug abuse, his father was very abusive and an alcoholic, and John Cooey, the killer here, was actually born immaturely when his father pushed his pregnant mother with him inside her belly, obviously, from an automobile. Hmm. This may have caused brain damage. Oh, he was sure. Physical- it's just an excuse. I know it's an excuse, but... I mean, it's I, a I valid know. excuse if you're born due to trauma of, like... Uh, I'm not saying that... That's, I'm not saying that <laughs> excuse is the entire so you're thing. Like, you, no, 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 no. Let me just clarify. Okay. Holy shit. I, no, 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 no. Let me clarify. That's a very, very traumatic event. It doesn't excuse the fact that you raped and murdered a nine-year-old, but that must make life a little bit harder if you were born due to your mother being pushed out of a moving car. He was physically and emotionally abused as a child. His mother didn't care anything about him. In fact, instead of milk or even formula, he was fed sugar water. Oh, that's good for your growth. That's not... I mean, that's like hummingbird food. He... (laughs) That is... Literally hummingbird food. Like poison to a child. He may have a learning disability, although... And this is from the psychiatrist... He's got more than that. ...that testified in court... Although, quote, he suffers from certain intellectual limitations, but that he was not retarded and has no mental illness. Oh, so quote. they try to go with an insanity plea or he was. Well, he did plead not. He did plead not guilty. He couldn't speak until age eight. Eight years old, he couldn't speak. Yeah, that's, that's a, a long time. I that mean, ain't normal. Like, dude, it took me to like six, but fuck, hmm. man, eight? God, dog. 
Dr. Berland, who evaluated the defendant and reviewed test results and information from people who knew him over the years, found that Cooey was affected by a mental illness. Cooey suffers from a psychotic disturbance. Although he can walk and talk, he has delusions, false beliefs which he cannot be talked out of, suffers from hallucinations, tacitile, auditory, and visual, and has biologically caused changes in his mood, mood disturbance. His mental illness had an effect on his thinking and judgment, wherein he would misperceive things around him, would misunderstand the meaning of things, and would be impulsive, all of which would cause problems with him in reasonable judgments and with his interaction with people and environment. Please so, tell me he did not get off. No, no, he didn't. He didn't get off. Okay, not, not even by a long shot. So, but I do believe this is not just like some of the comments on the YouTube videos, like this guy should burn in hell. He's evil and all this shit. I do believe this is a bigger problem. We, you know, like that pedophile park documentary we mm -hmm. watched where a sex offender is born and not made type mm -hmm. of shit with their brain. Does that make sense? Right. I believe we should be looking more into that instead well, of like pedophilia is a mental illness. Yeah. Versus, and I do believe yeah. this guy um, oh, yeah, you know, as long uh, I but, mean, pedophilia well, he, is in the DSM, if I he, remember correctly. Yeah, it is. He is qualified for mental retardation. He has an IQ of 64, mm -hmm. a verbal IQ of 68, and a performance IQ of 65. And I don't know much about IQs, but I can tell that's pretty fucking that low. That seems not good. Yeah, because mine's probably like 190 or even 210, maybe. I oh, wow. Know. Okay. <laughs> Oh, shit. I didn't know that we were sitting next to Einstein Jr. God. I should have known. I want to know what my IQ is. We should do IQ tests. It ain't as high as mine. It's probably... Right okay, he says okay, that, but this is going to end up the same results Size. as the psychopath yeah, test. I know, right? Oh, yeah. I scored really high on the psychopath <laughs> test. Believe me, we know. we know. I think it was like a 33 or something. What was what, it? It was really we get like high. 10? Well, we get like a 10 and a 15 and John got like a 23 or something like that. He said he got a 23, but in reality, I think it was more like a 29. <laughs> a 37. Based on testing, historical information obtained about the defendant and his interview with Dr. Berland found that the defendant was mentally retarded. Having an IQ below the threshold for retardation, having deficits in his adaptive functioning, and having had the onset of these deficits before the age of 18. This is what I'm saying, man. This is a different conversation. It's not just like, burn this motherfucker. He's evil. Because he's not the only one that has these problems. Right, but he has, you know, raped and murdered. Exactly. But I'm saying, and that's that's... That's horrid. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like we should look further into the 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 brain aspect and see. That's fine. Here's Are you talking about? Jail. Are we talking care. about to potentially identify? No, not like a predators in the future. Not like a minority or, report type of shit. But like, for instance, there is this documentary. I don't know the name of it. I think it's Vice or something. It's called like Pedo Park. It's in Florida, and all hmm. these pedophile. All those pedophiliacs live in this trailer park, and this guy and this neuroscientist and all these doctors, they explain that these people, I know it sounds fucked up, and don't send me any bad emails for saying this, but these people can't help it. They cannot help it. They're, they were born with a 
dysfunctional system in their brain. And it's the thing that when I see a child, like let's say I'm in the airport and I see a little five-year-old, six-year-old boy or girl, obviously not with her parents, walking around like a, you know, fucking idiot or something, you know, lost. Where's my mommy? Where's my daddy? My brain goes into hyper, I got to protect this kid type of mode. I got to figure out where his parents are because I got to get this kid to safety. It's like a little sheep out there in a lion's den. You you know, you want to take the sheep and the little baby sheep and like protect them so he didn't get eaten. That's the normal person, the normal guy Mm -hmm. or girl has that where I protect that kid. Right. But then this guy and all these pedophiliacs that are born with these dysfunctions, they see that kid and instead of saying, I want to protect them, it's, you know, I have some sexual thoughts about it. It's the sexual aspect of your brain and the protective aspect of your brain is switched. Like the, the, the switch is just inverted does that make sense? Yes. That's what they were explaining. I, I get that, but similar to anyone that has like um like a mental uh, any other mental disorder, like if they're schizophrenic, to me, sorry doesn't mean you should walk freely, or it doesn't I mean, mean you should skip if you if you have acted upon mel- mental illness or not. Sorry, you should be. I know, but there's sorry. So what we do here in this country is if they knew right from wrong, that's like the basis, right? Yeah, I mean, if they're in a psychosis state and they don't remember anything and they had no idea, then you can't hold them accountable because it's really not their fault, you know. So, did they were they conscious? Did they know right from wrong type of thing? But as this doctor explains, with all his all his brain damage from childhood and stuff like that, his brain was so damaged that he was he may not have known that you know what i'm saying again well, i get it but i think they should so do do the time for it they shouldn't be out in society you guys want to write in and yell at me a little bit let me know what you think about this pedophile stuff because i don't know the answer i don't know if there is an answer but i will tell you that his stepfather bobby Lindsay, this is when john cooey was five years old started abusing him really bad he would hold his head under water at when john cooey was about seven years old saying that quote he needed to teach him a lesson and this because he was a bedwetter he would actually tie john cooey the seven-year-old to the bed after he was wetting it and then his mother would come in there and untie him then his stepfather bobby Lindsay would get so pissed off that she untied him that he would repeatedly slam his head into the door jam. You know that little springy thing? Yeah. By the door that that, blocks the door and shit? Yeah, yeah. So think about the side of your head. And if you look at John Cooey's brain scan, you can actually see it. The side, the temporal lobe or whatever on the side of your brain was just pow, pow, pow with the door jam. At the age of seven, when your brain is still forming and shit, he would actually hang him on the doorknob by his pajamas, like, all night, because he was wet in the bed. And then he would throw him in the air, allowing him to fall directly on the floor. He would kick him violently, 
and kick him until he crawls under the bed. He would stay under the bed until his mother had to fish him out. Nice family. Yeah. So also his uncle John and his maternal grandfather would sexually abuse both him and his sister when they were seven, eight years old. One time living with Aunt Jean and cousin Susie, Cooey was found in a fetal position at Aunt Jean's bed. This is from the uh, this is from the court docs here. With his aunt's nightgown cut into small pieces, Cooey told Aunt Jean that his quote mind had told him to do it. Now this is sure evidence from what the psychiatrist says of auditory hallucinations at a young age. When John Cooey was 10 years old, he climbed on top of his sleeping cousin Susie and was caught trying to remove her underwear. Susie, although, was not afraid of John because she understood that his thought patterns were different and that he would always be a child mentally. But because of this incident, he was moved again to live with another aunt. All right. Now, this auditory hallucinations is important because this guy does, uh, and I don't really know the psychology behind it, man. The psychiatrist did see that through the PET scan, all the evidence, history, and intelligence, and neuropsychological testing, John Cooey showed a, quote, significant defect causing him to become hypersexual, develop inappropriate choices, and a profound ability to regulate or control the brain's behavior. From 9 or 10, now this is crazy right here. From 9 or 10 years old, he suffered from, quote, thought insertion, which is nuts, man. That is the feeling that someone else is putting thoughts into your brain. That's fucked. Whoa. Yeah, that's fucked right there, man. That's totally fucked. <laughs> Holy shit. I wonder if like cult members in, in unconsciously feel that. Maybe they don't feel that, but I feel like that's what happens to cult members. I don't know. Let me ask you guys what you think about this. This is the basis of Jesse's Law from what I researched. And keep in mind, there's a lot of legalese in here that I don't understand. Okay. If you are convicted of doing sexual or lewd acts to a child, and a child is 12 years old or under, Mm -hmm. you have to receive a minimum sentence of 25 years. That's the basis of Jesse's Law. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it too, but a lot of states are not. Why? And this is why. I know it sounds crazy, but this is the main reason I could figure out why. And it's mostly the attorneys pushing back on this. It's because if you give someone 25 years of life, there's no incentive to pursue any plea deals. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but just listen to this. Let's say John Cooey is arrested and he doesn't say where Jessica's body is at all. And he gets 25 years. Let's say he was like 80 or something. 
So he's going to be dead by the time he gets out anyway. There's no incentive for him to come forward and say, okay, this is where I buried her body. So there's no, there's no bargaining chips on the table that the, the uh, attorneys can use when they have a mandatory minimum. That is why they don't like the mandatory minimum. Is there a mandatory minimum today? There is now in most states, thanks to Jesse's law. But, oh. And I, I do not know this law front and back. Number one, I'm not a lawyer. And number two is a lot of it's a lot of things I can't really understand myself because I don't go to law school. But certain states do it differently. So every state is different, mm-hmm. right? So California, for instance, I believe is a you know they embrace the longer maximums Mm -hmm. he's actually got a there's a pretty cool photo of him with uh the uh, terminator nice oh yeah when he was uh, governor oh yeah before he cheated on maria shriver he cheated on maria shriver he had a second family i didn't know that family oh Oh, yeah shit i mean you gotta you gotta spread your seed jen baby (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a seed to spread okay Seeds get planted here, (laughs) but this garden is dry. (laughs) This garden will Uh, not. (laughs) You got to water it and keep it trimmed. That's what they say about guys. They say the tree looks bigger in the grass than it does in the bushes. (laughs) It looks taller in the grass than it does in the bushes. Oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah, like, uh, so you're erect. We got it. We got it. Thank you. (laughs) Let me just say that this soil has not been tended to ever. So the the, the likelihood of a growing plant is very, very, very minimum here. It's like one of those Bosu gardens or whatever. Bonsai? Bonsai. The little rakes. Yeah. It's like desert sand. <laughs> this doesn't okay. look fertile. Anyway. It's not. Someone so, needs so, someone. So California come. went with twenty five? Yeah, I don't I don't know each state, but I do know Utah gave the most pushback. Um, huh. Oh, interesting because that's a state. <laughs> it's a bunch of fucking Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they ironic. have like seven thousand wives. Yeah, that's fucking ironic. <laughs> so I don't know, you gotta go look that up. I will tell you. If you have 45 minutes, watch this documentary. It's very powerful. It's called Jesse's Dad. And unfortunately, it, it hasn't been viewed a lot. It was uploaded to YouTube in 2015, and it's got less than 20,000 views. So that kind of shows you how much attention this case is getting, which is none. There's no podcast doing this case. There's nothing. And well, it's a really important case, man. Like... This guy, Mark Lunsford, I mean, he is a trooper. He just he wants to get camera, 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 camera to spread this message. And he went to state to state to state. I mean, that's, that's him with uh, the Terminator. He went to every state, every single state. And this guy has a 10th grade education. And now he is talking to every governor in every state. And going out and putting himself out there is, you know, he's an amazing guy. I'm just going to say it. But I have my sister with me here. She took a course in high school where the detectives in Citrus County. Hmm? If I can explain. Uh, well, she, she's here with me and we probably found exactly. <laughs> she's like, let me on the phone. <laughs> let me okay. tell her. Hi. My name's Madison. 
Um, hey, Madison. When hey, I Madison. was a junior in high school, I was um, given an opportunity to take this course called Citizens Academy, and it's where I would go to the police station for like three hours every Tuesday and Thursday, and detectives and sheriffs and whatever in our county would teach us about the crazy shit that would happen in our county. And one of the things that we talked about was the Jessica Longsford case because it really hit our county by a storm. It was really scary. After um, they solved this murder and they figured out where she was, um, they came out with the Jessica Lungsford Act. And I'm sure you could look that up, but it's where... Um, I sent a link for it. Yeah, so like it was mandated <laughs> for um, released sex offenders like to be tracked at all times. And that's because um, when Chewie was released from prison, he went and stayed at his sister's mobile home. So his name wasn't even like on the lease or anything. He was just living there. Yeah, and what I didn't mention in the story, he actually was living at his sister's house. He murders Jessica, and then he leaves. He goes to Savannah, Georgia. He gets questioned by Savannah cops. And then he goes to Augusta, Georgia. That's and all the way up. There. Yeah, so he's running basically, and then they finally got him. But yeah, he wasn't on the lease. No one was tracking him as a sex offender because remember he has multiple sex offender charges on him. No one knew he was there at mm. all. He's just running wild, mm. predator on the loose. And this isn't the first time he did this either. I didn't go exactly. into it. But uh, he actually, in 1991, he he um, had another run-in. He actually told a girl that uh, if she wanted to go play hide-and-seek, and, seek, and oh. then he you know, molested her. Uh, he, uh, one, other, yeah. one other question. What yeah. happened to the other people living in the trailer? They all got... Nothing happened to them. <laughs> Fucking no minimal shit, man. I mean, they spent like a couple months in prison, does it? Wow. They, I mean... Luckily, the only the only good thing about the story is that crackheads' fucking kids were taken away. Yeah, because she was pregnant in the in the trailer living John Cooey, the this twenty seven year old, the daughter of the mother that's yep. also doing crack. She was fucking pregnant doing crack mm. and had kids while she was doing fucking crack. And you're telling me that no one know, knew a nine-year-old girl was locked in the fucking closet? Not even the kids that were there? I mean, Shit. dude, it's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, that is a very depressing story, Haley, so thanks a lot. <laughs> and I know how much Jen loves um, child murder. Oh, God, my face. And I know how much you, John, like to uh, piss her off. So. <laughs> that <laughs> is actually very accurate. Case. And I'm sorry about hanging up on you again, John. If you ever get to this again, I will make sure to say hi. I'm very sorry. Thanks, John. Bye. So sorry. So sorry, John. Thank you, yeah, Haley. She literally Thanks, hung guys. up with me. Thank you. She literally hung up with me. I'm like, hello? I say it like an old man. Hello? Uh, oh. <laughs> Who's like, calling she's me? She's like, oh, shit. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If-
If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talco Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you here on the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Wendy's only makes one kind of breakfast, your new favorite one. How do we do it? With fresh cracked eggs, oven-baked bacon, and flaky croissants. You know, the things your old breakfast wasn't doing. So toss that old news and its soggy eggs somewhere useful. And get to Wendy's, where the sausage egg and Swiss croissant, bacon egg and Swiss croissant, and honey butter chicken biscuit are just two for $4. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for four. Limited time only. Single item at regular price. Price and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's.